You're listening to Asking for a Friend with therapist Stephen Ng. It's a conversation about human sexuality and how to approach it with intelligence, understanding, and compassion. Hi, this is Stephen Ng, and I'm with my friend Jackie, and we're about to get into another conversation about sex. And quite often, I try to be the gentleman and ask Jackie what it is she would like to talk about. But Jackie, I'd like to talk about something that I don't think would be your pick. Fine. <laughs> we'll talk about it. I want to talk about incels, involuntarily celibate individuals. Oh. And I want to talk about mass murder and how these individuals have been guilty of mass murder of women in the main. Women have been their primary targets and men who like women and get along with women, secondary targets. So you want to make this show super depressing and sad? Well, actually, I see tremendous opportunity here for us to have a conversation that's very hopeful and um, hopeful and helpful to people. Okay. You know, we're all wondering how to have a good life, and we all want our children to have that very good life, even a life better than the one we ourselves have led. We'd like to see generational improvement. And you and I have talked before about sex education and how it needs to be holistic and how it needs to move beyond uh, figuring out or telling kids where babies come from and how sexual diseases get transmitted into something that would include how to find the love that I need as an adult. Okay. Yeah. So far, so good. So the incels are guys who never had that, never figured it out, and are miserable because of it. They want you should, to... You should probably say what incel stands for so people understand and tell people... I think I already did, involuntarily celebrate. Oh, did you say that? Okay, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking for them, uh, well, for them, uh, what we're from them, I should have said, we are seeing a nascent terrorist group growing up in the United States. That's right. A newly minted, fresh North American version of terror, similar to what we've seen with Al-Qaeda and other groups. Only what's different this time is that it's not so much political, nor is it based on race, like uh, the lynchings in the South. Or religion. Or religion, for that matter. Yeah, but it's based on gender, primarily. Gender and the level of sexual activity. So gender, because it's women, and when they kill men, secondarily, it's men who are having relationships with women that are loving and, and sexual. Uh, they resent the heck out of those guys. And they think if they can just take out their rage on those two groups, that somehow that's going to result in a net gain and change the system. And yeah. real fast, um, the reason that we're talking about incels today well, has to do with that most recent horrible murder up in Toronto, which is the third murder in the last several years, uh, the third mass murder, that is. where Mass murder, by the way, is defined as uh, any murder that involves more than four people. And th these, are, these last, these three have been fairly significant. There was one in California that I think resulted in the deaths of something like 17 uh, college co-eds. And I can't remember where the other one was right now, but they're out there, and for those who would like to lurk and, and check them out a little bit, they're on Reddit, and they have their own uh, threads on Reddit where you can go and, and listen to them talk. It doesn't make any sense. Just don't, yeah, just don't do it unless you are already sad. <laughs> well, I think it's a fascinating glimpse into psychopathology. If there really was a Hannibal Lecter, and he was really talking to his uh his serial murder support group of guys who were on his side, this is what it would be like. So to get a chance to 
peer into that dark corner of these young men's minds. And of course, we are talking about men and primarily young men. But incels, you know, have made up uh, a, a significant percentage of serial killers over the years. And by and large, incels and these serial killers and the mass murderers we've been talking about all have a number of things in common. They all lack intimacy skills. And those skills, by definition, are things that can be taught. But these intimacy skill deficits mean that they don't even know how to have a normal icebreaking conversation and make small talk with a woman. They don't know how to initiate social contact in a reasonable sort of way. Their belief system is totally skewed toward believing women are perpetrators deliberately withholding sex and attention from them. Well, it's even and that men are victims. It's even more than that. It's I mean, in, in my reading on this, it's that they don't feel like women are are human beings. Like, I mean, well, yeah, we're basically receptacles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that even if I would, you know, if I were talking to such a man in my office, I would say, so even if you did get uh, a woman in your life who was willing to have sex with you, you would still be incredibly lonely. Because you could never have a relationship with her that would be based on equality, and so you could never have a relationship that would be truly satisfying. It would be far more akin to adopting a service animal from the pound or something like that. It isn't human the way you're human. And I say it in that horrible Hannibal Lecter kind of sense where uh, it puts the lotion on that its That wasn't Hannibal Lecter. It was the other guy. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was the, the lotion dragon. guy, yeah. It was the red dragon, right? Yeah. So, um, but actually, that author, I think, had Hannibal Lecter, and they, those two characters did meet. Yes, so, they did. Um, you know, when, when I think of these guys, they are the fruit of our failure to provide training and education to young men and that most powerful of human attributes, our sex drive, our desire to reproduce. We all have it, but we act as if we don't. We, we spend a lot more time talking about anything other than that. And when young men express an interest in the opposite sex or even look at a girl, they're often greeted by family members who deride their attention or make fun of them in some way or preach at them and say, you're just too young to be even thinking about that. And instead, we need to grab the bull by the horns and go ahead and accept responsibility for the fact that no one is born with some sort of a relationship Chilton's manual downloaded onto their DNA. And we all need some training in getting to know how to talk to one another. You know, these individuals, they have online friends, quotes around the word friends, but they they don't really have friends either. They don't know how to do intimacy, even of a platonic nature. Well, and that's interesting because I was feeling all hopeless and now... <laughs> listening to you. We've talked about this before, the importance of friendship. Now you're feeling suicidal. No. <laughs> I think that, that that's a really good way to start is, is to actually have real friendships. Oh, yeah. Where you can actually start to learn these intimacy skills that you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Friendships with same-sex people in a platonic relationship are really the the relationship 101 compared to romance being the graduate school of level of difficulty because it's far more complicated and confusing when we throw romance and sexuality into the mix. And these are guys who really don't know how to have friends. They don't know how to, they don't get in all the different kinds of love that we have. And we have 
lots of different love compartments, right? We, we can love our parents and we can love our children. We can love our brothers and our friends. Uh, so we have filial and, and patriarchal love and we have, uh, or paternal love. And we also have, um, you know, a, a loveless platonic. But these individuals, they really don't have any, they don't have any compartment filled to anywhere near a level that is satiating. And so it's really no wonder that they become so dangerous. You know, on planet Earth, the single most dangerous predator is a human being. And among human beings, the most dangerous predator of all is the inadequately socialized adolescent. Because he really is a psychopath. He hasn't yet developed a prefrontal cortex that has a real conscience and that's able to have true empathy. And he's not anywhere near where he's going to be as the decades roll on. But for these guys, that whole way of learning, those, those genes that only get educated through social interaction, he's missing out on all of that. Just like all of us in the, in the listening audience, we've all known somebody who spent years in a bottle or years chasing drugs. And it's no surprise that these individuals 10, 20, 30 years later are as immature on the inside as they were back in the day when they first started using. Well, that's because maturation isn't a given, it's developmental. And so if we're not, if, if people aren't developing and maturing through experience, like dating, like getting your heart broken, like making friends and having friends be either loyal or treacherous, uh, like going through all the ups and downs and vicissitudes of life, unless we go through that, we don't really get wiser and smarter. And we end up, you know, as these poor guys, you know, I, I, these poor bastards end up not even understanding that women are human beings. And when you don't get that, how could you possibly have a connection that's meaningful? Well, and it's interesting. I was reading an article, or um, I was actually reading a lot of articles on this, and um, their solution, I mean, there were actually serious conversations on some of these saying, if government mandated providing a, a spouse... <laughs> Then they would all have a spouse. And um, I saw a tweet that said, if, let's just say for a it's second, horrifying, it is it? horrifying. I mean, it's really like a kind of a societal wide um, uh, Margaret Atwood yeah, kind yeah. Of thing, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just it's awful. Hand, yeah, Handmaid's Tale. But if Times um, infinity. Some, somebody said on Twitter, if all these men magically got a girlfriend, the level of violence would not go down. In fact, it would go up because there's a pretty good chance that they're going to be as violent toward the women, you know, in the in their now, I guess, custody. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't see them like that. I, I, you know, I don't see them so much as predatory as I do pathetic. And I don't mean to say that in a condescending, horrible sort of way. Um, but but it's, it's just very sad, sad people, you know, because it's it's our capacity to love that makes us human. And when you can't see that a full 50% of the human race is human, you can't really love them. And these guys have no friends. So they are incredibly stunted, miserable, unhappy people. And, in, you know, I think really truly worthy of the notion of terrorists because rather than solve the problem, they've externalized it. And rather than look within and look at the deficits that they themselves possess, they've instead chosen to do what, well, what an alcoholic might do. You know, I, uh, I only drink this way because you damn kids drive me to it. Or I only drink this way because my boss is a jerk or any of the other excuses people make for their drinking and their behavior and, and all the rest. And 
like a psychopath who says, well, I only stole his money because he kept flashing it around. He should have known better than to take it out of his wallet and pay the bill there in front of me. I only hit her because... Yeah, well, yeah, she knew better. She knew better. You she, know, she, she brought that on herself. So these guys, they're really pathetic because, you know, like the ghosts that uh, Gabor Mate talks about in his book, the In the Realm of Hungry Ghosts, they are ghosts living in some sort of a dimension that is straight out of a Buddhist version of hell where they could be constantly consuming. I mean, they might have all the sex in the world with a woman, but they would never feel their needs getting met. You know, just like those ghosts in that Buddhist hell, they consume food and consume food, but it keeps falling out of their ghostly bodies. For these guys, there is no receptacle within them to be satiated regarding love. So... So like jihadis, you know, really from, and I say jihadis in, deliberately from, you know, the Middle East who, or, or homegrown ones who become terrorists. And if you look, they all have horribly repressed sex lives. Actually, yeah, I read an article about that too. And they were, they were talking about how um, if you are repressed, socially awkward, adolescent, um, not having sex, and you get promised 72, 72 virgins in the afterlife that might be worth. Yeah, and if you really despise women, why you'd want 72 of them makes no sense to me at all. I guess they're different there. Yeah, I no, I don't know about that. I don't. Need, well, you know what? I get the idea that they're not even human. You don't have to relate to them. But I know I'm old enough to remember. Do you remember Black September? That incredibly horrible, but essentially a very successful terrorist operation that terrorized the uh, Israeli athletes in Munich. Kind of. In the Olympics. Kind of. Well, the Black September group was a highly trained, uh, dedicated group of young men who were who were willing to sacrifice themselves for this mission. And they were, by and large, successful in what they set out to do. But Fatah, the parent organization back in Palestine, was actually very frightened of them when they brought them back. And they made plans to neutralize them. And the plan they came up with was making sure each one of these guys met a nice girl, settled down and got married and had a family. How lucky for the girls. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's no reason to believe that they had a terrible marriage. I think that for them, it was, you know, what, what's that old saying? One man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. I think for them, in their context, there's so little. I'm not, I'm not trying to come down pro or con on, one, on what they did. But I'm just saying, when you have incredibly vicious, violent individuals who have nothing to live for, finding love makes a big difference in their lives. So since we're hopefully not going to... Um endorse a government-mandated giving everybody a girlfriend, um, what are some things that we can actually do? I mean, is there, how do we help? How do we make this better? Well, you know, it's, um, people hate it. I know you hate it when I quote Benjamin Franklin on this because he says an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. But in this uh, 32 steps to building a, a sexual jihadist, um, people come in at step number 31 and say, now what do I do? How do I prevent this? And it's a little late in the game when actually back when he was 10, 11, 12, 13, we could have been affirming how natural it was that he had a developing body, how naturally, how natural it was that he would start having feelings for uh, girls that he'd never had before, and how natural it would be for him to 
go through the vicissitudes of romance, right along with the joys, the broken hearts, and all the rest. And if we were to educate our children proactively and affirm, affirmatively and in a loving, attentive manner, uh, they would definitely learn the social skills and the intimacy skills they would need to get their adult needs for love met. This is on us. We have failed to do that. And, you know, honestly, I think a lot of us have failed. Uh, and I think about my own mother and what the education that I got. And I love my mom and what she did for me and the sacrifices she made uh, very, very much. She's deceased now. But she was born in 1920, lived as a very young girl through the Depression, and struggled much of her life um, and so that for her, life was really about survival. And I think there were millions, if not billions of people on this planet who were in that same level of spiritual evolution where they really weren't thinking about love in this sort of concerted, organized fashion. And once we get there in our thinking, where we start looking at our kids and realizing, okay, they're going to need a career. They're going to need a way to support themselves. They probably should have friends. Yes. Check, check the box on friends. Um, but they're also going to need to have some sort of knowingness when it comes to finding love and managing their sexuality intelligently. And that's the part that we need to make some more concerted efforts to make sure we pass along how to do that. On this one, I accept that there's no easy answer <laughs> that I can do in an hour. Um, and I kind of like that the answer is love. Yeah. Um, because I think that sometimes that is, that's what we can do, right? Is, well, it's the long game. You know, we, we're Americans. We like our gratification on the immediate side, please, instead of waiting for it and deferring uh, for later. But it takes, it takes 20 years to raise a boy. And I think that if we're not paying attention to what we're doing, we can certainly screw one up. So knowing that the answer is love and that it takes years to teach people how to be adept at transacting love in their lives, both to give it and to receive it, uh, will, will stop us from really, in hindsight, what seems to be a very silly search for the 60-second intervention that will stop him from being an incel. There is none. Right. You know, and, and reason doesn't work either, by the way, because being an incel, involuntarily celibate, having zero love in your life and zero hope of ever getting love means you're automatically mentally ill. They, and, and people in this position do not respond to rational thinking. So there's no rational intervention. Instead, they are emotionally motivated, and it's only with an emotionally oriented sort of intervention that we're going to be able to help them. Okay, so... <laughs> On that note. Hey, there's hope. We know how to do love. Okay. Our species is good at this. Okay. Hi, this is Stephen Ng. You've been listening to... Asking for a Friend. And uh, we hope that if you want to contact us, you will. And if you do have any topics you want us to discuss... You can tweet us at Stephen Ng MFT. 